this is Robao and today in Turbo Talks we're talking to Ella Harris of Kenyan Swim Racing about the virtual Tour de France and her 2020 season. Alright, the Turbo Talks is back. Welcome to a fresh episode. The actual road racing season is creeping up on us and the training camps have started all over Europe, everywhere at altitude. Uh, but in the meantime, this weekend, the first virtual Tour de France kicked off on Zwift. And who better to talk to about that than the actual Zwift expert and one who took part in one of the first two stages. And earlier this year, she already became the, Swift, the first Swift Academy winner to win a pro race on the road. And yesterday, she was lighting up stage two of the virtual Tour de France for the women. Welcome, Ella Harris of Kenyan Swim Racing. Hi, Ella. Hello, thank you very much for having me. I'm not entirely sure if I'm a Zwift expert, but uh, we'll run along with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you win the Zwift Academy, then uh, for us, you are definitely a Zwift expert. And by the way, you were going uh, along with Topia yesterday. It looked uh, like it as well. So, <laughs> I guess so. so. So it was a bit of a, a yeah new experience probably for you. It was pretty cool to be racing on Zwift, but then you had to do it at 1 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, it made so a very long day for me. Um, it's pretty difficult trying to get into some sort of routine when you're um, racing at 1am. So I ended up having lunch at about 5pm. I just winged it a little bit, um, freestyled my schedule, tried to, to have naps and that sort of thing. But in the end, yeah, I couldn't really overcome the sleepiness. So I still felt pretty terrible when the time came. But yeah, we got through it. How how much coffee did you have to get in at night? Just stay awake and get ready. I had one coffee at 10 p.m. and uh, one coffee in the morning. So not actually too bad. Maybe I should have amped myself up a little bit more on the caffeine. That could have been my down. <laughs> okay. Well, what's the the first uh, Tour de France? We're definitely going to get into it. First virtual Tour de France, I must say. But I was actually wondering, as a, as a child, did you ever watch or follow the Tour de France? And how did that go in New Zealand? Uh, yeah, so I've always known about the Tour de France. I've always followed it, uh, in particular when I've um, been into cycling myself. I always saw it on TV when I was a young child, but when I was um, when I wasn't cycling, I didn't exactly know too many of the riders. I knew the key names, but I didn't really watch it or anything. Yeah, I think you had to have a Sky New Zealand subscription, and we didn't have one of those, so <laughs> I didn't watch it. Apart from seeing it on the news, but once I got into cycling, um, and I, I actually remember even just a couple of years ago, I'd wake up in the mornings and uh, immediately just trawl through social media to get the latest updates on the stages. So yeah, ever since I've been into cycling, I've always been um, very interested in keeping up to date with the tour and that sort of thing whenever it's on. And it's quite nice being in the New Zealand time zone, waking up to race results and that sort of thing. And how did it go then? Because obviously not really a women's Tour de France. And now with the virtual Tour de France, it's basically the first time that you guys are a parity and there's a, a virtual Tour de France for women as well. How excited is that? Yeah, it's really cool. I think it's it's a huge uh, step forward for women's cycling. Obviously, it's not out on the road, but I think at the same time, being able to compete under the Tour de France banner is really exciting and it can only um, mean hopefully... Um, benefits going forward for women's cycling and um, the, the potential to have a women's Tour de France out there on the road. Is it something that you may have dreamed of when you started cycling? Like a 
racing in an event like this, like a Tour de France, maybe not the virtual one, but like in a real, a real life? Yeah, definitely. I've always just wanted to be um, at the highest level of the sport, being a professional team. And with professional teams come races like the Giro Rosa and the Tour of California, actually. Those are two, those are two races that I'd still really like to do, even though the Tour of California is currently on hold. But those have always been two big pipeline races for me um, that I've just really just wanted to do. Um, so I guess a Tour de France equivalent for women would definitely be um, added to that list as well. Sort of certainly similar um, in, moment, in uh, how momentous it would be. So what's the fascination with the Tour of California for women? It's not I'm one not you really, hear too often. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I've just it's it's just different. It's a tour that I saw quite a bit um, when I was wanting to make it as a cyclist. I knew quite a few riders from New Zealand who had actually done it because it was more of it's not um, one of the top tier. Obviously, it was a world tour race, but it wasn't like the one of the highest world tour races that you could do. So it was sort of seen as like a really nice race, and obviously being America and being California and scenery and the, the courses looks really cool. So yeah. it's just one of those races for the overall experience, I guess. And when was that moment for you that you thought like, oh, I really want to become a professional cyclist? I guess ever since I've been young and whatever sport I've wanted to, and whatever sport I've been doing, I've just wanted to get as far as I could in that sport. So initially I started out, running and then that was only when I was eight years old and then I started triathlon and when I was in triathlon I wanted to make it to the ITU international triathlon circuit but then I couldn't swim very well and my running sort of took a back seat um, when I kept getting injured so then I slowly turned to cycling and then once I was doing cycling and I was doing okay in it I sort of thought to myself yeah I just want to get as far as I can with this. So um, it's just always been a, a goal of mine to just make it to the highest level in whatever sport I found myself in. So it was just the, the automatic um, outcome that I wanted for my cycling, really. Yeah, cool. And then you sort of had a, had a yeah, not a, not the most regular start, sort of like as a pro. Um, no. You came, you, <laughs> ent you entered as, as the winner of the Swift Academy. Yes. So basically, Swift Academy is Kenyan SRAM is, is giving uh, yeah everyone who's doing the Swift Academy online racing. They give them a chance, basically, at a professional contract. You were one of the three finalists, got picked basically by the rest of the team. Because um, we also had a chat with, I think it's like late last year, with Ronnie Lauke, the your team director, and Jess Pratt, your current teammate who won it last year, has already been on. So mm. they explained a bit about it. So people will want to hear about it. Go back to those podcasts. But... Um, yeah, so 2018, you win that Swift Academy, then you turn pro. How was that first season for you? Yeah, winning the Swift Academy really just leapfrogged me um, into the professional peloton. Um, it just automatically took out any obstacles and um, potential restrictions um, that I would have to become a professional cyclist. Obviously, being in New Zealand and trying to get to Europe to race, it's very difficult. Um, so, yeah, I was just thrust straight into the professional peloton and certainly thrown in the deep end, but I really 
enjoyed my first season. It was really eye-opening. I learned so much. I had so many amazing experiences. And it was more than I could have ever imagined. Um, even when I won the Academy, I didn't expect that my first season would be as cool and as successful as it was. Obviously, I had big goals and dreams and hopes for the season, but I still didn't think that it would actually um, eventuate and be um, as successful as it was. I mean, it wasn't like I was setting the world on fire and getting a whole lot of results or anything like that, but it's just the fact that it was my first time in Europe for the Zwift Academy finals, and then um, only a few months, not even a few months later, I moved to Europe, so that was my second time in Europe, and then my first race with the team, my first race actually in Europe, and it's always one of those things that coming from a completely different style of racing in New Zealand and Australia and even in the US where I'd previously raced, it was quite a big unknown actually being able to physically race in Europe. So to be able to survive those first few races was pretty exciting. And uh, it sort of, it was, it was just nice to know that I can sort of be up there and um, compete with basically the pinnacle of, of women's cycling really. So yeah, it was a really cool season. Yeah, and I think if you look at your results, like you said, you definitely hold your held your own sort of in those in all those races that you entered. Uh, I think you came back from like broken collarbones and everything, which was like one big learning curve. And then yeah, two, there were a couple two, of broken bones. <laughs> <laughs> and then 2020 starts, and you're sort of like off to a flying start. Uh, I think or looked already really strong into it another. And then in the Sun Tour, um, your first ever victory as a pro. And I must, I just watched uh, again, like the reaction of you after the finish. I must say it was golden. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you said you were, bit, you were still being a bit, are you still being teased a bit by your teammates about uh, your victory salute or the um, surprise reaction or? Yeah, I think it's one of those things that I'm never really going to live down. I'll always be remembered for the, uh, for the Sun Tour um, post-race celebration and uh, the interview, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I haven't exactly had a, a chance to practice my uh, winning race salute in current time, but hopefully I'll be able to uh, do it again sometime and make improvements. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was great to see it. Just, it just showed how much it meant to you to be at that level and to sort of maybe have a bit of confirmation for yourself as well, what you can actually do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was It was really exciting. And, and then you move on to the uh, New Zealand Championship. You win the under-23 time trial and second in the road race. Mm. So you think you're all lined up for maybe a major season in Europe. You go to Europe, and then before you know it, you're sort of like back again in New Zealand already. How was that? It was pretty whirlwind, um, but really strange. Yeah, I sort of I left New Zealand thinking that I'd be in Europe until October sometime, and then Less than three weeks later, I was back in Dunedin. Um, so, yeah, the whole Spanish lockdown thing happened really fast. One week we were I was training with my coach and um, another one of his riders out on the road um, in the glorious Spanish sunshine. And then uh, the next couple of days we heard rumours of um, a potential lockdown happening due to the virus and the fact that cyclists might not even be able to go outside and ride. And we were sort of thinking, oh, goodness, like... Um, this could affect our training camp, but ah, uh, no, nah, we'll we'll be right. And then, sure enough, um, 
a couple of days later, we were um, yeah straight into lockdown, not able to ride bikes uh, outside. It was a pretty scary, uncertain time, especially being there by myself um, because at that stage um, I was living in the apartment alone. So there were um, lots of unknowns with um, having to potentially stay through a lockdown and not knowing how long it would go on for. And if I was to correct, catch um, coronavirus, uh, how I would sort of deal with the Spanish healthcare system. Yeah. So many, so many unknowns, and also um, who knew when racing was going to start back up again. So it was um, certainly the right decision to come back home because I was anticipating, thinking, "Oh yeah, I'll be at home for two months or so." But I think um, just a quick estimation. I've been here about three months now. So <laughs> yeah, it was it was the right call, but definitely an unexpected one. That's for sure. And then instead of the, the Spanish sunshine, you're now in the Dunedin, New Zealand's winter. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> Make, makes it a bit more challenging to go outside now, or are you still now thinking, oh, maybe it wouldn't be too bad to ride a bit more inside now on the trainer? Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I think I'm going to be on the lift for the next few days, that's for sure. I'm just looking out the window and it's very grey, very drizzly and single digit temperatures, so... Yeah, Zwift is certainly the best place to be for me right now, but I'm not complaining because I really just like to ride around Zwift, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, talk about riding on Zwift. That virtual Tour de France, it, it, it kicked off this weekend. Uh, you rode the second stage, so it was a hilly stage yesterday on Montopia, or yesterday. For you, it's still like this morning, probably. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> my life. <laughs> how, how much sleep was there after the stage? Yeah, so stage finished at about 2.15 in the morning. Uh, and then I was obviously just still buzzing from that coffee I had at 10 p.m. So <laughs> I managed to get some shut-eye at about 4.30 and then woke up again expecting it to be maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. It was 6.30 and my day was starting. So, yeah, I've had two hours sleep. But to be honest, I'm not feeling too bad. Okay, that's good to hear. Well, well, you didn't look too bad either yesterday in the in the race. I think you set the pace really early on, immediately on that climb, always on the front. Um, for the, and for the people who were, were watching or maybe haven't been watching, you got over the over the top of the KOM, and then suddenly Ella seemed to be gone from the from the leading group. <laughs> and and and, yeah. I, and I must say, I saw the name of your activity on Strava. And it feels like maybe there's a little bit of frustration there at the moment. Yeah, just a little bit. I think that probably stems back to the comment I made at the very start of this podcast. In fact, I'm not a Zwift expert, and quite clearly I'm not. Um, <laughs> judging by what happened last night, I well, I don't really know what happened, but I was in the bunch doing my aero tuck with everyone else. We were heading down the radio tower, 80k an hour. I was just not pedaling at all, and then... You get that dreaded message on the screen saying one meter, two meters, three meters gap. And then before I know it, I was out the ass. So, yeah, it was a little bit unfortunate, but <laughs> these things happen. I'm not quite sure how the, what the Zwift physics were up to. And, uh, yeah, technology wasn't really in my favor, but that's okay. It was a, it was a lovely solo time trial effort to the line anyway. Yeah, as I say, you could still see the, the power numbers that you put out, and yeah, they didn't look that you were uh, that you were blown up or whatever, because they were still look pr pretty impressive. If you look <laughs> at those pow pow those power numbers in a race like yesterday, did they come near to your best efforts? I think, I yeah, I think I actually got my. I was just looking on Zwift Power, and I got my best five minute 
power in a race on Zwift. So I think I've done slightly higher um, in testing on Zwift, but yeah, it was certainly my highest um, five-minute power um, just going up the radio tower, actually. So I thought I was suffering at the time, and that was why. <laughs> I was on the <laughs> limit. And how, how did it go with, with, the, with the team? Because you guys were in a great position. You actually started your first uh, sort of like Tour de France stage in the white jersey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it. then, yeah. And how was that then afterwards? Like, how did you guys prepare as a team for this? Was there a certain tactics or whatever? And, and how did you go into it? So our main aim was really just to um, get as many people as far to the front of the field at the finish as possible because we really want to go for the general classification, I guess. The other jerseys are a nice bonus, but at the end of the day, we really want to see Kenyon Stram in the yellow jersey. So that's what we were aiming for. We wanted to just have as many people surviving over the climb and then to be there at the finish. But yeah, we had quite a bit of bad luck yesterday. Obviously, I explain what happened to me um, after the climb. And then we had um, Omi, who's uh, had some gear issues within the first 20 seconds of the race. I just remember hearing her on our Discord chat, just sort of screaming, saying, uh, making all sorts of noises. Um, so she had a, a solo TT right from the beginning, actually. And then we had Hannah Barnes, who was in the bunch with me, going up to Epic KOM. She was looking really good as well. But unfortunately, uh, she had a connectivity issue with uh, Bluetooth, I think. So she ended up back in a, a bunch further down the road um, once everything was up, back up and running again for her. So, yeah, it was really unfortunate. And I was the highest place finisher in the end in eight. So that's certainly not what we set out to achieve. But these things happen. And hopefully uh, next week the riders who represent the team can, uh, can uh, yeah, do a little bit better than what we did. <laughs> sort of like a the virtual uh, flat tire problems a little bit then yesterday a bit yeah, unlucky definitely if we had a um, car on the convoy they would have had a busy day that's for sure <laughs> uh, so I think you guys are still leading the white jersey and third now in the overall if I'm yeah, right something like that yeah yeah, so there's the four more stages to come, like this, the upcoming weekend, uh, recording this actually for people who didn't know, so on the on the Monday just after the race, um, but on Saturday the 11th and Sunday the 12th, there are two stages, and then on the 18th and the 19th, there are another two stages, yeah. um, and those will be in a new Swift world in France, something mm. new for you as well. Yeah, I'm really excited to check it out, actually. I think there are going to be Discovery rides before for you guys, or not? Yeah, there are some, uh, there have been recon rides uh, for everyone participating in the tour, but unfortunately, I'm not too keen to ride at 1am more than I have to. But <laughs> yeah, I think there are some open for the public, so I'll have to get in on those ones. Are, are you lined up for one of the other stages that's to come? Yeah, so I'm doing the Mont Ventoux stage, stage five on the 18th yep. of July, also my birthday. So that's going to be an excellent birthday present, going as hard as I can up Mont Ventoux. Um, but yeah, it By the time good. you're racing, it's not your birthday anymore, maybe? If it's going to get well, up 1am? <laughs> all, all going to plan, I'll be on European time then, if I can get myself oh, good. Spain. Yeah, so that's a very exciting proposition, actually, racing at a normal time. That, that would be awesome. So what's the plan to go to Europe? I'm hoping on Wednesday I'll be able to fly out and they'll let me through the airport. Um, but yeah, it's 
still a little bit difficult to travel at the moment. I've heard of a few people who have uh, had questions raised when they've gone to check in, that sort of thing. But Singapore Airlines rang me up today and they said that uh, I should be good to go. So, yeah, hopefully I'll be in Barcelona by the end of, well, Barcelona and then Girona by the end of this week. So very exciting. And and what's the plan, Dan? Is it like straight into a training camp to get ready for for the yeah, for the upcoming races? Um, for me, uh, I'll just be um, lying low for a little bit in Girona, getting over the jet lag, getting used to the heat, acclimatization, that sort of thing. The team are doing three one-day races in Spain actually at the end of July. Uh, I think yeah, I can't quite remember the names off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm not entirely sure what races I have coming up at the moment. It's still a little bit uncertain with the calendar and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I might make an appearance at um, those races. I think they start on July the 25th. Uh, so that could be a possibility for me. Um, and then, yeah, the World Tour season for females kicks off on the 1st of August with Strata. So you never know. I might be doing that as well. We'll, we'll see. I'm not entirely sure what my race program's looking like. But yeah, first things first, we'll just be getting used to the heat and uh, getting back on European time again. And you you mentioned Strada, and I think you also mentioned somewhere else already that actually that could be one of your favorite races. Yeah, I'd really like to do Strada. So <laughs> fingers crossed, actually. <laughs> so we got to start the campaign here on the podcast for uh, the team to at least <laughs> select you for Strada. Or next year, I don't really mind. I've got... I've got a, uh, a few years left in me yet, hopefully. So yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, I'll get sure. to Strada one day. <laughs> so Strada and the Giro Rosa, I've heard. Yes. Yeah, let's go all Italian. All Italian and all for dream. And is there also a dream result then? Uh, I'm still sort of discovering what sort of rider I am, I guess. I would like to, to do well in like the GC or... Um, that sort of thing in the Giro Rosa and probably the distant future. But it would also be really nice to, to be more of a stage racer and to just go for the individual stages, that sort of thing. I think the GC brings a little bit too much pressure sometimes. So, yeah, I think just I'd just like to start them first, to be honest, and uh, do my time, be a domestique, and then uh, see what happens going into the future and see where um, my strengths sort of appear to lie. It definitely seems that you're becoming at least a cl- uh, someone who doesn't mind to go over a climb with, yeah. with, with the front with the front group and then uh, with your grit that you show in the races, uh, yeah, to get in there, attack it, and see what happens. Yeah, I do like a good berg, so yeah, uh, the general classification and tours and that sort of thing. I I really hope that 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 suit me in the future. And is, do you have a sort of like a path for yourself that you or, or a timeline that you want to discover? That type of stuff, what type of rider you are? Do you have like, oh, at the end of this season, you want to be at a certain point or? Yeah, not really. I'm just I'm just taking um, each experience and each race as it comes. Uh, obviously, the Australian summer, that was pretty insightful for me. Um, I was able to really take away a lot of confidence from that and also a lot of motivation, which has slowly diminished as the months have gone on. But, um, yeah, I think that those sort of races showed to me um, showed to me the races I actually want to be good at in the future and um, definitely the races that I think I have the most potential in. Um, but, yeah, I'm just, I'm just setting myself little targets at this stage. Um, for example, I'd really like to do 
world champs at the end of the year in Switzerland. I know that's quite a hilly course and the best yeah. climbers will come out for that. So I'd just like to to see how well I can go on a course like that. Obviously, I'm nowhere near um, the best at climbing in the world just yet. Um, Anamique would certainly leave me for dead, that's for sure. But, you know, improving on my result from last year at Yorkshire on a course in Switzerland that would on paper suit me a little bit better than Yorkshire would be um, really cool. So, yeah, just little targets like that. And then if you talk about like a bit of a hilly course, then I'm also thinking about maybe next year at the Olympics. That would be, yeah, that would be really nice if New Zealand had actually qualified uh, somebody. Unfortunately, we don't have any spots for Tokyo. So Oh, really? Oh, Yeah, it's looking like a flat tariff 2024. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. So, so what, if if you look at like at the development of cycling in New, in New Zealand, what, what's the trajectory of that? Do you see an upward line or? Um, it's hard because a couple of years ago, New Zealand had a number of quite promising, um, well, really notable professional women's um, cyclists, but we've just gone through a bit of a bad patch, I guess. Um, in recent years and for whatever reason we haven't quite gained as many UCI points as we normally would so um, last year we didn't have so many spots qualified for the world championships and then we're out of the top 25 in the nation's rankings as of the end of the UCI calendar last year so yeah we just just went through a bit of a slump and I was still new on the professional scene so I didn't quite get enough UCI points for the country last year to, to get us into um, any notable position. But um, in January, I did actually get quite a few UCI points. So, yeah. I mean, if, if they want to change the Tokyo qualification date, then we'd have a spot now. So that would be quite nice. But <laughs> that's very wishful thinking. Let's <laughs> say you start raking up those UCI points from now on. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll just start racking them up and then uh, racing stops and I've, Go heaps while everyone else hasn't even had a chance to get any. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I just want to wrap it up with the, the fan question because uh, you always have a uh, fan question on the table talk so people can send in. Um, and I think this one, I think it uh, could actually be from a familiar uh, face of yours. Um, oh. it's, it's from Lizzie Stannard. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, and she wants to know, what's the ultimate pre-race snack? Oh, it's always porridge. Without a doubt, porridge. Always porridge. Yeah. Okay. Porridge and there's also something about a dream. She also asked about a dream cookie. I feel there's a bit more to that, maybe. Do you have a What's dream a, cookie? A dream cookie. Oh, I don't know. I feel like I've missed the memo here. Oh. Maybe, maybe there's something I, uh, that's, yeah, that, that I've forgotten about. But, yeah, I actually last night before the Zwift race, little insider secret here, I did consume a whole Afghan cookie at 11 p.m. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I am fueled by cookies a lot of the time as well. Okay, and, and porridge as the ultimate pre-race pre snack? Yeah, it was porridge at 10, cookie at 11, actually. Okay, all right. Lizzie asking the tough questions here. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we're going to wrap it up. I want to thank you for for your time and uh, yeah, staying awake for us. I, w I was supposed to say. That's not a problem. I'm fully awake now, so yeah, I might go and jump on Zwift. 
<laughs> okay, so people, if you're gonna jump on Swift, uh, make sure you give uh, Ella a, give her a ride on, and uh, obviously give her a follow and to go check out her rides with her. Because I think every now and then you had your rides as well, right? That people could ride with you on Kenya's Ram. Yeah, I've got one next week actually, 14th of July. Get in there. Got a raffle ride on Swift, so yeah, sign up. See you there. <laughs> All right, there you go. 14th of July, you can ride with Ella on Swift. And make sure you give her a follow on the socials as well and follow her and in the virtual Tour de France, especially on her birthday on the on the 18th of July. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening and thanks again, Ella. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. And then uh, make sure everyone tell a friend about the podcast as well. Makes it easier to get the word out. And uh, yeah, who doesn't want to hear all the insights from all our pros? And in the meantime, just make sure you never stop cycling. This was Rob Bout with Ella Harris of Kenya Sram Racing. Stay tuned for the next Turbo Talks.